Okay, we're back with Burlington on the spot. In the studio today, I have Deb Daniel, and today is April 29th, I believe, right? Right, right. And then let's see if I get this right. Um, you are with the Republican Conservation Water District. Well, you're close. Republican River Water Conservation District. Oh, okay. I always get that. At that. That's a tough acronym. <laughs> so say it one more it. time. Republican River Water Conservation District. Okay. Yep. So I was off by one. Why? Yeah, it's close though. Close, yeah. really so close. So, with that, kind of tell us uh, why you came in today and give us a little background on your position, and we'll go from there. Okay, all right. Well, um, part of the, the biggest reason why I came in today is because we are, the Republican River District is now starting a campaign, and we're trying to get more people more informed about all the things that are going on um, inside of the Republican River, or a lot of times we call it the district. Um, because we have so many different things that are happening all at the same time, and we have tried to put articles in the paper, so we're doing that. We've got our website, republicanriver.com, that you can go to for information, and then when this was offered to me, I thought, what a great opportunity to spread the word some more that you know, we all need to be cognizant of our water, and it doesn't matter whether you are an irrigator with 15 wells or whether you're a retired body shop owner who lives here in town, in, in Burlington. You know, it water is extremely important for our basin. And, and my basin that I work for um, starts north of Cheyenne Wells, about five miles, and goes to the Nebraska state line at Julesburg. And then the area starts at, uh, oh, we are east of Lyman to the Kansas border, and Akron to the Nebraska border. So it's a huge That's area. That's huge. Yeah, huge. I didn't realize it was that big. Yeah, it is. It's huge. It, it takes up most of eight counties in northeast Colorado. Um, and a lot of our counties that are in the Republican River District are some of the highest producing, egg-producing counties in our state. Uh, Yuma County ranks sometimes within the top ten in uh, corn production. And so, you know, we are a very vibrant area, um, very important area for our state, and the most important thing that we have is our water. Right, and then when you said in the top 10, Yuma, is that in the country then? In the top 10 in our state. Okay. Uh, well, well, I yeah, and sometimes Yuma County ranks top in the state in corn production, and a lot of times really high in beef production, and like Kit Carson County ranks one or two in wheat production, sunflowers. I mean, our area is so robust in our ag production that, well, uh, almost, I'm telling you, a big part of your business, Troy, comes from irrigated ag. Because if we don't have irrigated ag, it affects everyone. So, so my job and the board of directors, it's, it's really important that we do everything we can, make the wisest decisions we can. Sometimes people don't always understand. And that's where we're trying to get out and get people to be involved. You know, come to our meetings. Uh, give me a call. I, my, my phone number, my cell phone number is always available. And, and I would rather people call me and ask questions about water than to assume anything because a lot of times the information you heard at the coffee shop is wrong. So um, my job uh, right now is to uh, focus on water conservation, and the biggest thing right now for me is to try and work with producers who own irrigated land 
in an area along the South Fork Republican. In that area, it's called the South Fork Focus Zone, and we have to try to retire up to 25,000 acres, which is, is close to a third, a third of all the irrigated acres in that area by the end of 2024. But my first deadline is to have 10,000 acres retired in that area by the end of, of uh, 2024. Okay. So by 29, total is... 25,000 acres retired. At the end of 2028, it has to be the 25? Is that right? At, at the end of 29, it has to oh, be the okay, 25. okay, so at the end of total. 29. Yep, yep. So we're on our way in two years to try and hit the 15. Um, 10,000? 10, I'm sorry. That's all right. You're <laughs> close. You're getting it. Well, because that's what Tim and I talked about, oh. too. Tim Potler came right, in, obviously, right. in our first one and uh, kind of explained it to me, and, and it seems like we're making good progress towards we that 10,000 on right. this go-around, right? Right, right, right. We're good. We're making good progress. Um, we've got a lot of contracts that we have at FSA. See, the Republican River District offers a supplemental contract to anyone who's willing to retire, permanently retire, their irrigated water right. So they get a contract with FSA mm -hmm. through the CREP program, permanently retire their well, or th and they cannot dry land farm it, but they get paid more dollars to do that, put it back to native grasses. Or you can go into the EQIP program, and you can still dry land farm and uh, graze it. The payments aren't as high. But um, we've had really good luck with producers working with us. Um, right now, we've got thirty-two, no, 3,700, a little over 3,700 acres under contract. So wow. those are retired. Now, we've got four more... Uh, contracts that I just heard yesterday have gone through the process at FSA. So those will be added to our uh, contracts. So those will be added onto our total. Um, and we have, uh, I don't know, we have a lot of acres under, in the process, you know, some of them that are still thinking about it, mm -hmm. some of them th that have their application into NRCS or FSA, and some of them that are in the the contract approval process. So we've we've worked really hard. We've brought on extra staff for me. Um, Peyton Liming is now working with me in the office, and Susanna Baker, she's the office manager. So uh, we've, we've been really successful in working with producers. And this is extremely difficult decision for anyone to make. Yeah. Because, you know, for some people, you know, uh, it's not such a hard decision because, you know what, I'm getting older, I'm ready to retire, my kids aren't coming back, you know, why don't I go ahead and retire this well that, that may or may not be pumping a lot of water, you know, maybe it's pumping 158 gallons a minute, maybe it's pumping 400 gallons a minute, but, you know, some people, that's, that's our deal, you know, I'm ready to retire, why not go ahead and earn money off of this, and I still own the land. I right. can still go ahead and leave it for my kids. So I know that there's some guys that are doing that. But for others, it's a really tough decision because, hey, my grandpa drilled this well. Yeah. And it's been in my family all this time, and it's really hard to let go of it. At the same time, you have to look at your input costs. How much is it going to cost you to pump the water, and how much are you going to get off that crop? And this year, this year, the input costs, I keep hearing, are three times what it was a year ago. Got and when you're saying input costs like fertilizer is stuff yeah. that's a good fertilizer, example. Fuel, chemicals. all those pieces. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, and so <coughs> we have to retire twenty five thousand acres, and I, I want to stop right now and explain why we have to do that. Okay. So, so back in two thousand eleven, 
and 12, we built the Compact Compliance Pipeline. And that pipeline is right along the Nebraska-Colorado border um, north of Laird. And our pipeline delivers can deliver up to a total of 25,000 acre-feet of water every year at okay. maximum. At maximum. maximum. Yep. So we had purchased, the district had purchased the water rights from 58 irrigation wells, okay, 62 water rights. We bought the, we purchased the water rights for those wells. But when we wanted to use that water for compact compliance to deliver it to the stream, wet water is, we get more credit for that, um, the state would not let us pump those wells as much as they had been pumped when they were irrigated land. Because there was there was recharge because it's very sandy soils there. So as they irrigate, it percolates through, gets to the groundwater table, and then it's you know brought back up and they they use it again. So it recharges the groundwater table there. Gotcha. Okay. So what the state held us to is historic consumptive use. You can only use the water that was used to irrigate and used in those crops those irrigated crops. So the corn, any kind of feed that was grown, any kind of crop that they were had irrigated, that's the only water that we could use. And they knew that because they had measured that yes. consumption yeah, over there's time? Yeah, there's a full calculation. You know, they get crop history, they get power history, they get pumping records, and the state comes up with a calculation. Right. You know, like, like they were probably pumping 400 or really close to that, uh, 400 acre feet a year on an irrigated crop. They only allowed us like 158 acre feet from that well for the pipeline because we weren't going to be irrigating. We weren't going to be recharging. Be- because you're not getting an output with that input? Is that kind of, I mean, since you're not irrigating, yes, th- yes. you can only have what was already used to apply towards what was owed. Right, uh, on those crops. On those crops. Just those crops. So so that limited us greatly. That's why we had to buy 58 water rights because we needed a total of 13,500 acre-feet of water for the pipeline initially. Now, we've got eight irrigation wells, and the appropriation for all those wells has brought been brought in to eight irrigation wells. Okay. We've got seven more that we're going to attach to the pipeline um, over years. As we need more appropriation, we'll bring those wells on. So right now we have eight irrigation wells. We just shut them off on Monday of this week. They just got, the pipeline got shut down for the spring season. And the reason why is one of the agreements with Nebraska was that we would only use a pipeline in the off season. So we turn on the pipeline in November. Sometimes we've had to do it in October, depending on how much we have to deliver through the groundwater model. Okay. Okay. So we turn it on in November and December. We finish that year's uh, all the water that we have to deliver to the stream to offset depletions in our basin. Okay. January 1 starts our new year, and so, like I said, we just shut it off on Monday, and so we calculate how much. We've probably pumped really close to 4,000 acre-feet this spring season, and the, our water engineer, the water engineers for the state, and uh, Willem Schroeder is a water engineer that works for the Republican River Compact Administration. That's the head's of the three states. Okay. He works at a, a extremely massive, extremely complicated 
groundwater model that takes into consideration how much each well of the wells is pumping, how much rainfall we've had, where that rainfall has fell, how much of that rainfall should have hit the river, when should it have hit the river. Wow. And, yeah, and then, you know, our wells turned on, you know, in, in the 50s, 60s, and then with centrifugal pumps and sprinkler development, then we started having wells in the 70s that were in the sand, could have never been irrigated before. Mm -hmm. So our state realized that we were over-appropriated in the 70s and stopped any new irrigation well drilling. If you have a well that you're needing to redrill because it's collapsed or something, mm -hmm. you can redrill it, but it's got to be, depending on which groundwater district you live in, um, like in central Yuma, they limit to 150 feet from your pre from your original well site. Okay. Okay. Um, in a lot of other groundwater districts, you can redrill a well up to 300 feet from the original, but you cannot apply for or receive a new appropriation for a new well. When did that stop? That was in the 70s? It was in the 70s. Okay. Yep, yep. So our state stopped allowing new drilling, but the state of Nebraska continued to let people have new appropriation and, and didn't when? settle. Well, until uh, the state of Kansas filed a lawsuit against Nebraska because Kansas said, wait a minute, we all signed this, this compact back in 1942, and we're not receiving the water we should be receiving from Nebraska, the oh. upstream state. Okay. Okay. And again, Nebraska was allowing new wells to be drilled. And Nebraska said, now, wait a minute. <coughs> the reason you're not getting water enough water is because Colorado is not sending enough water through Nebraska. So okay. ne Colorado is the upstream state. And so all three states were brought into a lawsuit. And we are the final upstream We are state. the final upstream. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Because all of the... All of the tributaries that feed into the Republican start in our state. That makes sense. So with that pipeline being shut off, um, it was going to Nebraska, right? Isn't right, yeah, yeah. We but deliver they still want it to be shut off. Right. Well, here's the deal. So once we deliver water to the stream, when, we, when our pipeline outfall structure um, delivers water to the North Fork Republican, mm -hmm. we're about a quarter of a mile from the, the compact gauge. So when we deliver water to that compact gauge, that's Nebraska. So from that point through Nebraska, they have to shepherd that water across. We deliver it to that gauge. That amount of water is for Colorado, and it's got to get to the other end of the Republican down to where it drops into uh, Colorado or no, Kansas, I'm sorry, right. close to Manhattan into okay. Milford Reservoir, you know, past Alma and um, Harlan Reservoir. So Nebraska, and I can understand that, they don't want it when the trees and the grasses and everything else is is alive and sucking up oh, water, see okay. all now the seepage. I, you can see why I asked that question because I'm yeah. like, I mean, they're kind of stopping it. When I would, it right. would intuitively, you would think they would say, "Hey, let's get it." But now yeah. I understand. Yeah. So that's actually a little conservation as well. Yeah. In a way. In a way. In a way, because there's very little evaporation, you know, in the in the winter months. So we started, like I said, sometimes in October. We did have to start one time just at the very end of September, but you know, October through April mm -hmm. is, you know, pretty much when we have to deliver. And depending on again, rainfall. How much we've had to, how much we've pumped during the year, and it's 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 kind of a really tough thing to guess how much are we going to have pumped. Like last year, it was a dry year. 
you know, we had a good wet spring. Our May was really nice and yeah, warm, but I it pretty that. much dried up after that. And now we're in a drought. Yeah. Or we have time. been. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> I'm really concerned about what our pumping records are going to show this year. Because we're so dry, we didn't get hardly any moisture. You know, here around the Burlington area, down towards Cheyenne Wells, up towards Kirk uh, in Yuma County, we had a nice snow fall there a couple of times, but yep. really it wasn't. I mean, we appreciate it, and, and it just soaked in, and that was so wonderful. But with all this wind, most of it's probably gone. Yeah. And, and we just haven't had um, adequate rainfall to really set up our sub-moisture. So I know that a lot of guys are trying to, and it seems like it doesn't matter which part of the basin you live in, are trying to irrigate, number one, because of all these terrible winds to keep the, 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 the soil from moving. Mm-hmm. A- and, and that's crazy. I hate it when we have to do something like that because that's just a waste of water. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it costs you money to, to run the well. And this year, everybody who has irrigated land are going to be assessed $30 an irrigated acre for the Republican River water use fee. Last year in 21, it was $14.50. It's been $14.50 since 2008. Okay? We recognize the fact, the board recognized the fact that to get 25,000 acres retired in the South Fork Focus Zone, we're going to have to increase what we are paying for these conservation programs to get more interest in that. This is going to supplement that program then yes. to pay yes. people to retire. Yes. And it, so it doubled? It doubled. It more than doubled. For is this, this the first year. time they're going to have to pay that then is coming up? Yep. It'll be at the end of this year that they will be paying $30 an irrigated acre. And then who decided the what the rate increase was? Is it that the board? It was the board. Yeah, we, we went through and did a lot of different calculations, and, and we hated it. I mean, because the thing is, Almost all of my board members are producers. Are producers that have irrigated land, so that that's increasing them along with everyone else. But we went around. We had, we've had forty-two different meetings talking about conservation, talking about guys. We're between a rock and a hard place. We have to have these acres retired, and I want to explain that in a little bit. But okay. we did these meetings. We have to have these acres retired. Um, price of corn and wheat went up, and this is. You know, in the Burlington, Stratton, Kirk, Idalia areas, and everything in between, there's a lot of really good farm ground, mm-hmm. really good farm ground. And heavier soils that w- don't require as much irrigation as sandier soils do. And so a lot of these guys are saying, hey, I'm young, you're like your age and younger. I came back here to raise my family. I want to farm. And, and you can't blame them for that. But we've got to get a third of the acres retired because of this resolution that was signed in, s- in 2016. So we recognize the fact we're going to have to be paying more. So I ran an analysis on how much did irrigated land in Kit Carson, all of Kit Carson County, because it takes up almost all of the county, Okay. Uh, uh, the South Fork Focus Zone. Um, how much did irrigated land from 2019 to 2021, how much was it sold for? compared to irrigated, or compared to dry land. To dry land, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what's the difference? And then what did irrigated land around the Idalia area, which is where that's, that Idalia over towards Kirk is where this basin goes, or this South Fork Focus Zone is in Yuma County, Mm -hmm. and how much, you know, did the land sell for there? So we looked at that. We sent out a survey to all the well owners that own land in the South Fork Zone and said, 
how much would you need to receive to be willing to consider permanently retiring your irrigated water right and go into one of these conservation programs? That was smart. Yeah, so you guys tell us. And so we did that. We sent that out. We got... We didn't get as many as we had hoped would respond because, again, people were just like, oh, you know, it's not that important. And, and uh, it is vitally important. So we did get some people to send back those surveys. We, a- we analyzed those, took an average of that. We looked at, at land values, took a look at that, and then said, okay, how much is it going to cost? I kind of calculated out, okay, I think that we're going to have more into the equip program where they can dry land farm it mm-hmm. than into the program where you can't graze it or farm it, but you get more dollars um, per acre. So we kind of analyzed, okay, our best guess is this uh, into equip and this many acres into CREP. Um, and then we also decided to come up with a new program that allows people to retire just a portion of your acres. You know, if you have uh, a, a sandy hill... You know, and and it, or you know, on the outside edge of your circle is some sandier soils that you can't really irrigate and fertilize the way to get really good crops. Well, if you're willing to retire at least 15 percent of your total irrigated acres on your sprinkler system, okay, then the Republican River District and NRCS will pay you a total of up to two thousand dollars an irrigated acre to do that, and that will make your system. Uh, more efficient because you're actually irrigating on better soils and you get paid for retiring those acres. Now, is that competitive as, as if they were to go sell it on the market to somebody else that would irrigate? Well, so so that particular one isn't, but it's only because we're only asking for a portion of their irrigated right. The others are they're retiring their entire well. I, I understand because you also can make the argument you couldn't sell that piece for that right. because of, okay, I get you. Right. Well, you would have to do the whole bundle and then get a much higher per acre average, right. but then you have the best land with those, okay. Yeah, with those irrigated I, acres. Yep, I understand. So the average irrigated property sold for in, in Kit Carson County from 2019 to, to the middle of 2021, $3,500. Okay. We offer $3,500 with what the Republican River District pays and what you receive from NRCS for the EQIP program, where you can dry land farm it and you can graze those acres. I'll help you get the paperwork together to downsize the well so you can use it for livestock if you want. It's a permanent retirement of the irrigation, mm. and you still own the land. We're paying, I mean, with these rates, we market are Market value to go into the value. EQIP. Yep, to go into the EQIP. And the state of Colorado has provided $2 million dollars and our board decided the best way to use that $2 million is to offer $200 bonus for the first 10,000 acres retired. So we've got, oh, I think we're over 500000 now that we've used of that funds towards this retirement of these acres. And so if you're one of the first 10,000, you're going to get a $200 bonus up front when you sign these contracts. So anyone going into the EQIP program is going to get $3,700 an irrigated acre. Okay. So, wow. so that's so two hundred up above. If you're one of yeah, the first adopters, if you're one of the first ones. And yeah. then on the on the CREP program, um, we also, you know, like I said, looked at how much land sold for in Yuma County, fifty two hundred irrigated acre. So the board decided, okay, let's offer forty five hundred on CREP. Okay, so it's a thousand dollars more than EQIP, mm-hmm. but you have to put it to grass, leave it in grass for fifteen years. Well, the 
the bottom line is there's a lot of sandier soils too that you know or it's rough or rocky or whatever the soils just aren't um, good soils for for raising irrigated crops or dry land crops so put it into the CREP program mm-hmm. you get 15 years of payment again that's eligible for the extra $200 bonus incentive payment $4,700 an irrigated uh, an irrigated acre that you retire and you still own the land and you you know once you get into these programs if you decide in a few years you want to sell it you certainly can the contract can go with the land and whoever the new owner is receives a payment if you pass away you can leave it in your d or in your um, estate sure. that, that you know everyone will get whatever share they they should receive so um, we we try our best to work with anyone that's interested in it um, and trying to get these acres retired now I want to explain why. Yeah. <coughs> so we built this pipeline in 2011 and 12. I started working for the district. I, I became the general manager in July of 2011. I started working with the district um, as the interim, working with Stan Murphy, who was a manager at that time, in May uh, of that year. In July, at the July board meeting, the board decided to go ahead and start building the pipeline. Um, we didn't have approval from Kansas for 100% credit for the water we delivered from the pipeline. But if you think about it, back in 2010, we started having a recession. Mm-hmm. And, f- and state funds were dwindling. Right? We had, the board had worked with Colorado Water Conservation Board, and at that time in 2008, they received the highest level of a, grant, uh, a loan, low-interest loan, from Colorado Water Conservation Board, CWCB. Mm-hmm. So we had those funds, and we had purchased the water rights, and we're leasing the water rights back for irrigation on that land until we used it for the pipeline. Well, we could see that if the district did not go ahead and start building that pipeline and using that grant, or the, the loan money, mm-hmm. it was very possible that the legislature would say, these funds have not been used. We're going to go in and capture the funds from that gotcha. loan. Yep and use them for this uh, one of the programs in the state. So even though you didn't have 100% from Kansas, you knew, hey, we need to move forward. We got or to. Or we're going to lose this. So yeah. that was a calculated risk. You took it, and yep. I think yep. it worked out. Oh, yeah, it did. Because at that time, they had they had got the loan for up to $80 million. We didn't need that much by the time we got it all built. But, you know, the best guess was $80 million. So we started building the pipeline. Um, we had it built within a year. We, broke, we had our groundbreaking ceremony in um, – September of, no, August, August of 2011. Oh, that was fast. And then by September of 2012, we had it all built. We delivered water to the stream. And they said, man, this is phenomenal with this big of one. Um, On the average, we deliver 62 acre feet of water to the river every day we're pumping. Mm. So you take that, that's an acre foot. There's 325,000 581 gallons in one acre foot. So this is a lot of water that we're delivering every day with this pipeline. So we got the pipeline built, but Kansas said any through this groundwater model, which is extremely complicated, any water that is delivered to that measurement gauge a quarter mile from where we deliver water to the Republican, where that um, compact gauge is at, Colorado receives 22% credit on the North Fork. On the, on the South Fork, we receive 
um, 44% credit. And on the Arikari that's in between the two, we get 78% credit. And there's calculations for that. But, but suffice it to say, 22% credit for the wet water that goes across the stream. And why is it only 22%? It's because of, of the calculation. We get credit for 22% credit, but we also get credit for the water that gets to Trenton. And there's a few stream, a few uh, springs in Nebraska that join into it. Mm-hmm. So so in the calculations, we get 22% co- credit for the wet water. I got you, because that's <coughs> that's what they think are we're providing. Them. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So we said... But we want 100% credit. And Nebraska agreed to it. And the only stipulation Nebraska said, yeah, we think that Colorado should get 100% credit for their pipeline water, but you have to pump it in the off-season. That's w- because oh, it's okay, going so across Nebraska. Oh, okay, so now I totally understand. Yeah. And that's why I was asking why we wouldn't yeah. be getting 100%. So right, okay. right. Okay, so so the water that and, – and the North Fork is the only tributary. It's the only one of the three, North Fork, Rickery, and South Fork, that flows annually. Every year, there's water that flows on the North Fork. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Um, so um, we said, no, we are augmenting the stream. We're bringing wa- what we're doing is we're changing the timing of when the water that's north of Laird mm-hmm. reaches the stream because it will eventually reach the stream. We're just changing the timing for it. We're speeding up that timing so that we're delivering wet water to the stream, and we want 100% credit. Well, our two states three states negotiated and in 2016 okay they came up with a agreement that's is our 2016 resolution that we talk about in that agreement we get a hundred percent credit for the water that we deliver from the pipeline that pipeline protects all of our basin all of our irrigators whether you're at Haxton or whether you're south of Burlington or out to Akron that pipeline is protecting your right to irrigate, okay? Protects our state as a whole for this basin. Um, wi- but with the stipulation that Kansas wanted us to retire acres along the South Fork. And when our, ba- when our district first started back in 2004, our state told us, if you just retire 30,000 acres of irrigated land in Colorado, you'll be in compa- compact compliance. Well... They put together a CREP program and an EQIP program and a big campaign and got the acres retired and said, okay, are we in compliance? Uh, No. And, well, how much more do we have to retire so we can be in compliance with the compact? Because it's federal law. And our water engineer did an analysis, the state did an analysis, and the report back from, from him was, if we were to shut off every irrigation well throughout the basin, so we're talking at that time probably close to uh, 4,700 to 5,000 irrigated well, irrigation wells. If we shut off every municipal well, because most of them were probably irrigation wells that's been converted to municipal use. Okay. Okay. Irrigation wells, municipal wells, commercial wells that feed our feedlots, our swine confinement, every large capacity well, you'd have to shut them all off and leave them all off for 30 years. And we're not sure you'll be in compliance by then. Okay. <laughs> so it would have it decimated this area. It would have decimated. You know, if you've got good soils, good farm ground, that you can have dryland crops, then, then you have a chance at survival. But if you're in an area where um, 
you you've got irrigated crops now and you're in sandier soils it's just going to have to go back to native grasses it it will destroy your area well yeah it's not even just the water i mean you're talking about the economy that's food it. all these things all that's crazy things. well I the mean thing is irrigated property tax if you think about it the taxes that or the water use fee that people pay into the republican river district and an irrigated property tax from your county that goes to everything in our county. It goes to our hospitals, our schools, our roads, county roads. You know. So when was this that you guys had this discussion? So so this discussion on. Well, on on what would happen if you what it would take to do this, where oh you'd yeah. have to shut everything shut down. Shut everything down. So they started looking at it, and the biggest thing, the fastest band aid to stop the bleeding, was to build a pipeline and deliver oh, okay, water gotcha. to the stream. That's that's. I mean so this was like in 2011, or, or right, it had been building right. up to then, right. and this all stems back from it's just it's a crazy conversation. Oh, I mean, it's, it's got to be happening at higher levels, right? At, right, at, at right? In Congress, and they're going back and forth. Am I right about no, that? It's no, it's it's our state. Each each state is represented by the head of the division of water resources in each state. Our state engineer is his title. Kevin Ryan represents Colorado, and then there's a representative who is at the same. Uh, level as Kevin is from Kansas and from Nebraska. Those three individuals meet, and they're the ones that are making decisions. But it's based on engineering from engineers from each state, and then this Willem Schroeder, who who works for the Compact Administration. All of them are and all going back to like 1942. Two. Yes, yeah. In 1935, there was a huge flood. Yep. And um, and then it, and then the three states. It's, you, t- you think about it. At that time, World War. We were kind of in between World Wars. We mm-hmm. were in the Dust Bowl. You know, the economy had tanked, and and there was no money anywhere. And and so, um, 110 souls drowned in the flood of 1935, and four of them were my family. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I didn't realize it was that big. Yeah, it was huge. We we lost people at Cope. I think it was Cope or Kirk is where the first person drowned. Yeah, right? Tim told me about about the yeah. devastation and magnitude it was huge. of that. Huge! It was huge. My my grandparents homesteaded um, east of Benkelman. Okay. Okay, and the North Fork comes into uh, the channel for the North Fork meets the South Fork just south of Benkelman. So by the time the waters from all this rainstorm got together, it was right there south of Benkelman. It was a disaster. And it was a huge wall of water. And by the time it hit my grandparents' homestead, they say it was a 15-foot wall of water. Oh and they gosh. didn't know, they didn't had no idea. My grandmother had just picked up her infant son, my Uncle Glenn, just moments before the flood hit. Wow. Nobody knew it was coming. And so she picked him up, said, hey, Mom, I'll be back tomorrow. My my grandmother, Frances, that I'm named after, she said, that'll be great, honey. We'll see you tomorrow. And Grandma said in her, she got in the Model T, and she and Glenn headed to Benkelman, and she said, by the time I got close to town, I could hear what sounded like a train. And there's no trains there. Yeah. The trains are south of Benkelman. And she said, by the time I got over the last sand hill, on the road, uh, she said, I could see nothing but water. And oh, my gosh. And it had been raining, but nothing like that. And she turned around and went back, and everything and everyone was gone. It's basically like a tsunami that we yeah. see now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But in yeah. the up here, which yeah. you would never imagine. Never imagine. And they didn't have it, the communication we've got now. Right. You know, back then. So 
So it haunted her because there were a lot of people that were buried in the mud. They never oh did find. Man. And that was my family. Four, four of my, uh, my, my great-grandparents and an aunt and uncle all drowned in that. So, Jeez. so uh, I get really offended when somebody says, well, that was a really stupid thing to do to f- to ha- for this compact. Um, actually, at that time, the only thing they knew about water was what they could see. So what was the purpose of that then? What okay. were they trying to achieve? Okay, they were trying to get federal funds for flood control. Okay. Because it had flooded in that area before, never to that magnitude, but they had, the Indians called it high water. So the Indians always stayed up on the hills. They stayed up away from the river. They'd go to it, but they'd come back up on the hills. Mm -hmm. White man, hey, the best place to homestead and get is close to the river. That's where the water's at. (laughs) Gotta have water. So, so, and, you know, then there were hand, hand dug wells, but... That's that's the bottom line. I mean, I grew up at Hagler. It's right on the river, uh, you know. So so, but then out of that, and I think Tim told me, and it's such an it's a detailed, nuanced conversation about right. all this. But then out of that, how did we end up owing so much water to Nebraska, especially if somebody hasn't heard those earlier podcasts? Right. So so, the three states said we got to have flood control. They went to the federal government, and the federal government said we will build seven reservoirs in the Republican River Basin. In okay. the three states, okay, for flood control. But to do that, the three uh, states have got to form an agreement on how you're going to administer the waters of the Republican. So at that time, they looked at, okay, how much irrigated land is in Colorado? Well, you know, the Arikaree starts way in the southwestern part of, of uh, Kit Carson County, and so does the South Fork. Mm-hmm. The North Fork is is like south uh, west of Eckley. It doesn't there's not that many acres that we had at that time. Mm-hmm. So when you looked at the total number of irrigated acres in Colorado in 1942, we ended up with 11% of the total. Kansas had more flatter lands and more irrigated land in the Republican basin. They ended up with 39% and Nebraska had the rest of the irrigated property. So that's how they initially split it up. And once that compact was signed by the three states, it went through federal legislation. It's a federal law because it was approved to be able to get us these funds to build Bonnie Dam, to build Enders, to build Trenton, to build Red Willow. All, all seven. All gotcha. of them, yeah. A down clear to Harlan Reservoir and then Milford. Wow. All of those reservoirs were built because of the compact for flood control. Okay. So that was in the 40s. In the 50s, we started having more drilling. We started, you know, with pumping, and then pretty soon it's a centrifugal pump, and then the development of, you know, because then around Burlington, we had a lot of the earlier wells in this area because it was flood flood irrigated, and we've got nice heavy soils, flat soils. It worked great. Well, then when they started developing a sprinkler irrigation, it wasn't nearly as much work. You could put push a button, the sprinkler will walk around, irrigate your acres, and you can irrigate wherever you can get the sprinkler to run. So that's where we got so much more irrigated land. And I'm not complaining right? because because of the benefit of irrigated ag, we are all benefiting from it. Yeah, you it's know. technology, innovation. Yep. You're figuring more efficiency. Yep. So yep. they start grabbing as much water as possible because the need was there and they had the ability. And I paid how much for this land? I've got bills to pay so you know i'm going to use this irrigation and you know you bought the irrigation when you bought the land or you developed it you know and uh so we all benefit from it every business 
every business in this basin benefits from irrigated ag in one way or another. Even the little coffee shops. Sure. You know, do. So so my our job with the Republican River District, we were created in 2004 to assist the state with compact compliance. Um, the state of Colorado lost the, the lawsuit that was filed on the Arkansas compact between Kansas and Colorado. And so there were legislators from our area that said, you know what, we're the ones that know the best way to handle water in our area, mm-hmm. rather than having the state come in and say, well, you're going to do this and this and this. So, so they, our legislature created the Republican River District at the end of 2024 with the... 2004? 2004. Okay, okay. What did I say? You said 2024. Oh, I'm sorry. So I just want to make sure. Yeah, Yeah. you're absolutely right. 2004, with with the orders to assist the state in reaching compact compliance. Mm. So they also enabled the Republican River District to assess fees to help with the expenses for compact compliance. So um, the district started first with $5 an irrigated acre, that started in 2005. By 2008 is when the study came out and said, you can't retire enough acres to get into compact compliance. Mm. You don't have that kind of time. So the, the district decided we're going to have to build a pipeline. We're going to have to increase the fee to 1450 So we did that, and the, the pipeline was built on less than $60 million from that loan. We, only, we needed less than $60 million from that loan. We've um, been paying that with the fees that we receive on irrigated land. That fee has also paid towards all these acres that have been retired. Or we've purchased a lot of surface water rights so that instead of somebody using their surface water right to irrigate their property, that water stays in the stream. Okay? So we're doing all this to help our state because the more water we can keep in that stream, the more credit we get for it. And it's all the 11% that we're still tr- trying to pay back. Is that right? Yeah, we, we're held every year to 11% of the total water that's within this basin. Does that ever end? No. No, it will never end. So, you know, someday there's, you know, the, the, the South Fork isn't running currently. And we can talk about that, but that may be for another day. Yeah. Um, the Rickery, we had stream flow in the Rickery in 2019 and in 2020 on the highway bridge, you know, 385. I drive that mm-hmm. most of the time, twice a day. Um, we haven't had flow there since oh, almost two years now. And, and that's very disappointing. But we don't have any flow there. And the, the North Fork... Uh, stream seems to be doing okay, but every year it's getting lower and lower. And we have got to slow down the depletions throughout our basin because our water table is going down every year. We just don't have, you know, in the heavier soils, we just don't have the recharge, like I talked about, from the irrigated land and the sandier soils. So the water goes into our soils but doesn't permeate through and then if we have dry years, our crops bring it back up. And if we don't get rainfall to replenish it, it's just where our, our water table, when I was measuring wells in the plains in East Cheyenne Groundwater District, so Kit Carson and, Yuma and Cheyenne County, um, it was dropping a foot to a foot and a half every year. Mm-hmm. And it continues to drop 
and throughout the basin, it, it's pretty much the same. In, in some groundwater districts, it drops very little, but I don't know of any area, a groundwater district, that isn't losing some of the water that they had year to year to year to right. year. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's huge. So here's the thing. So we got to retire 25,000 acres on the South Fork. Why the South Fork? Because if you think about it, the South Fork is the only tributary that goes into northeast Kansas, northwest Kansas, sorry, yeah. northwest Kansas, okay? So when we had to dry up Bonnie because we w- Colorado was charged for the evaporation and the seepage in Bonnie, and there were years, I understand, that it cost a, the state of Colorado three-fourths of our total because we were having to cover the seepage that goes into our state and the evaporation off of it. And we could not negotiate with Kansas and Nebraska to be able to save that one water body that we have in northwest or northeast Can- Colorado. Yeah. Our, our state tried. Um, it just wasn't going to happen. So we were out of compliance on the South Fork, so he called for it to be drained. Well, that drainage then dried up. You know, there's there's no stream flow through there. Who was it that called for it to be drained? It was our state engineer at the okay. time. It was Dick Wolf okay. at that time. Yeah, it was a horrible decision because that was our only water recreation in this area. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's Was there any other way? I mean, looking back, it, or, I mean, did it, I mean, so it was a horrible decision in that it, it, it was horrible in what it did. And it right. And it, but it had to be made. It had to be. D- it, it, it was either Bonnie Dam has to be dried up or everybody has to shut down irrigation. It w- that, that was exactly it. Everybody has to, because it's a federal law. Our state is held to federal law. We have to abide by this compact. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, for our recreation and all that it brought for economy into this area of our basin, it was it was hard, and, and it did make an impact. But it was either that or we decimate the economy of everything. Yeah, and I think that's why this is so important, right? So if... If you've been here a long time and you saw that happen, you clearly understand the impact it had. And you hear stories about how great it was. And I wish I could take my kids there right now and all that. And and so this is serious. I mean, that's why I'm glad we're having these discussions because until something like that happens or what's next, I mean, that's probably the biggest challenge you have is to get the awareness around this topic. Yes, yes. And and, and it, it, you know, so many people at that time, oh, this is just stupid. And what's the state doing? And we didn't get credit for the water. Well, we did get credit for it. And, yes, there wasn't as much as there was in the stream. But we had no choice. There was no alternative. We try, so, so it's my understanding that Dick Wolf contacted the, the state engineer in Kansas at that time, David Barfield, and said, hey, how about we take the evaporative rate and we calculate it off of Bonnie Dam every year. And how about we take that amount and credit Bonnie Dam, and then we give that same amount of credit on a reservoir in Kansas, and then that same amount of credit on a reservoir in Nebraska. So everyone is treated the same. And David Barfield would would not agree to that. Um, There was a group, when Bonnie Dam was drained, there was a group that was trying to save Bonnie Dam, and uh, an individual sent a letter to Governor Brownback from Kansas Mm -hmm. and said, this is the only water recreation we have here. Can't we come to some kind of a negotiation, an agreement, so we can keep this one body of water here? And and Governor Brownback sent a letter back. I got a copy of it that said, 
there's got to be some way we can talk about this and negotiate it. I think that we've got to have some kind of a path forward. I got that a copy of that to Dick Wolf. He contacted the state engineer in Kansas, and the state engineer said, no, we're not negotiating on Bonnie. It's not happening. Now, um, Kansas would really like to have us have water back in Bonnie because the thing is, when you've got a body of water that, that we had with Bonnie, and when you dry that up, it also dries up all of the alluvial downstream. So when we had water behind Bonnie, that helped the downstream alluvial wells in Kansas. So now they're struggling because we don't have water in Bonnie. As a water engineer, wouldn't he know that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was just a bad decision. Well, it wasn't a bad decision. It was the only decision we could make. But now Kansas is feeling the effects of it, too. Because without that, their alluvial is drying up, too. So Kansas would like to see us have water back in Bonnie. Releases from the evaporative rate, so we can, but they, they, they have not come to an agreement yet. Okay. Okay. And and Troy, this is for another time that I'd sure. like to talk to you about all the work that we're doing to try and clean up the stream on okay. the South Fork and get water through there. Sure. Okay. So Kansas wants water for their, for their people, on the South Fork in Northwest Kansas. Okay. So the decision was. Okay, we'll give you 100% credit for the pipeline water. Yep. Okay. But you have to try to retire 25,000 acres by the end of 2029 in in the Republican South Fork focus zone area. Okay. Because if you dry up those acres, eventually water will come to the stream. Eventually, the water that was used by those wells is going to come to the South Fork, is what the the thought process is. And eventually, it will go down the stream into Kansas, and it'll flow over towards St. Francis, goes mm-hmm. along St. Francis, and then up into Bankleman. So we, the three states agreed to it. Okay, this is the way we can get 100% credit for the water. So we've got this resolution that was signed in 2016. The trouble with it is if we don't hit our target of 10,000 acres in two years, got to have 10,000 acres retired by the end of 2024. It's possible that one of the other two states could terminate that resolution. If Colorado's not abiding by this resolution, one of the other two states could terminate it. If they choose to do that, now our 100% credit we get from our pipeline water goes to 22% credit. Okay? So in 2021 and 2020, and I believe it was also in 2019, every year we've had to deliver 9,500 acre-feet of water each year for the pipeline to offset our depletions caused by the irrigation wells pumping, our depletions caused by our irrigation wells pumping for years past, Mm -hmm. and for the rainfall that fell on the, the basin in Colorado and when it hit the stream. So yeah. all these different things are all a part of the calculation. This year we delivered, or er, in 2021, 9,500 acre-feet of water okay. at 100% credit. If we have to go from 100% credit down to 22% credit, we'd have to deliver 43,000 acre-feet, and we can't. The pipeline was built at a maximum of 25,000 acre-feet. Mm-hmm. So we can't. If we can't deliver what we need to keep our entire state in compliance, 
our entire Republican River Basin is out of compliance with the compact. And two years ago, I believe it was two years ago, a state engineer wrote me a letter and said, if the, s if the state of Colorado is not in compliance with the Republican River Compact, the Division of Water Resources were cur will curtail, which means shut down, all irrigated land and any well pumping more than 50 gallon a minute throughout the Republican River Basin. So, so that's one of the things we could be facing. Yeah, that's <coughs> yeah devastating. I mean, I mean, uh, in in Yuma County, I asked their assessor and their treasurer, how much of an impact does irrigated land make into the treasury for Yuma County? And it's somewhere between sixty and seventy five percent of the tax dollars they receive comes Holy from irrigated. Holy smokes! Yeah. Okay, take that out, it's gone. So that's that's what you work on, like a normal day for you. You're coming in and you're trying to figure out how do we reach that number. That's, that's right. a single focus goal for you. Well, it's it's one of them. One of them. Yeah, and we're trying to clean up the Bonnie Dam so that we can get s flow through that you know, through through the dried up reservoir bed. So we'll get credit for that as well. We would so get credit. So any opportunity to not have the worst possible scenarios. Exactly. Your focus. Exactly. Okay. So we've, we've changed our water use fee. We've increased it over t double because that's what we've got to have to pay for these programs, right? We also went to Colorado Water Conservation Board and said, look, we've got this huge problem. We're needing some assistance. We received approval from CWCB for a $2 million grant to help us with, with compact compliance and all of the other things that we've we got to pay the operation of the pipeline mm -hmm. we've got to buy more water rights to put towards the appropriation for the pipeline we need to be buying as much surface water as as we have left to help keep the water in the stream and we've got to be retiring these acres but at the same time everyone that has irrigated land pays into the water use fee is eligible to retire their acres through these conservation programs so we offer that throughout the basin and we're paying a lot mon more money if your well is inside, and we're going to get credit for your well draw no longer pumping inside that South Fork focus zone. So we have a lot of things going on all at the same time. We've got the water use fee coming in. We've got the $2 million that we're hoping to get through the projects bill from CWCB. Should receive that sometime in July. And we also have a bill that's going through, uh, I believe it should be, finished at the House today. We'll have to go back to the Senate. It's already gone through the Senate and been approved. Um, it's Bill 22-028, and it is a bill that provides ARPA funds from the federal government that our state has received. Um, we initially had, a, had requested $50 million for the Republican River District area and $50 million for the Rio Grande because... We both have groundwater issues. We both mm -hmm. have compacts. And so, and, and we are assisting the state in reaching compact compliance. All of the funds that our district has used to pay for all of these expenses have been through the water use fee. And this year, when those ARPA funds became available, mm -hmm. we recognized the fact that we've got a huge problem. I think at the last calculation, we said somewhere between 65 
to $70 million is what we think it's going to cost us to get these acres retired in that I- area, let alone all the other expenses we have. So um, right now, like I said, our, our bill should be heard on the House floor for the final time today. Um, then it will have to go back to the Senate, and, and we're going to be getting $30 million if everything goes right and gets approved and gets signed by Governor Polis, we should get $30 million to help us with retirement of acres in the South Fork Focus Zone. To be used over the next two years? Yes. <laughs> to yes. hit that. And, then wh- and I know that t- uh, Tim told me this. Where are we at right now? Right right now with those, we've got 3723 acres retired. And like I said, we've got all these acres that we've got in the process. Um, I don't know how soon we're going to have those dollars available, but we have to have $30 million worth of contracts encumbered before August of 2024 of that $30 million. So um, our board meeting that we're going to have, our next board meeting is going to be um, in May. May 17th is going to be in Yuma at the Quintech building. Um between that time and uh, between now and that that meeting, our budget committee is going to be meeting next week. We're going to start talking about okay, what do we need to do to get these other acres to continue to get acres retired? What do we need to do to help people, you know, to be able to purchase the um, surface water rights? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my board's got so several different ideas of how it can work, but we can't just throw all the money at just that. We it's got to be justifiable. It cannot be okay, we got thirty million, so we're gonna burn it. That's not it. That's mm-hmm. not it at all. Gotcha. You know, it's 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 got to be fair for everyone. These are our funds that we all are gonna be paying back eventually. Right. You know, through the federal government. So um my my committee's gonna be meeting on a Zoom meeting um next week. And then we'll be talking about and have a recommendation for the board to take a look at in the nov- in the May meeting, um, and that may give me some more directions of things that I can be working with producers and trying to get these acres voluntarily retired. It's not that we're telling them they have to, but if they are interested, this is what they could be paid, and and we're we're going to try and work with them the best that we can, and you put these u- funds to good use. And uh, keep our state in compliance. So <coughs> when this started, it was like 2016. And with the contracts you have right now, getting up to 10000 where do you think we're at about like six? Is that what, I mean, 6000 No, or? we have 3,700 acres retired now. Okay. Okay. But like I said, we have thousands of acres in right. the process. Okay. In the process. I'm not going to tell you that we've got another 6,000 that are are going to go into it because the thing is, they yeah. may be in the process. They may not get approved for the contract. Oh. See, I can't, I can't guarantee no, that. No, and I understand how difficult this is. Yeah. That's what I'm saying because it's crunch time because we're down to the last time. two years, and that's the urgency behind this. Yes. Do you feel like all the producers, and producer, that term basically is farmer is or, right. or, or, or cattle right. or whatever, right? Right, right, right. Um. They're all aware of this, though. I mean, we've, we've sent letters. We sent letters to all <laughs> well owners throughout the basin. Uh, we sent that letter from um, Kevin Ryan, our, our mm-hmm. state engineer, that said, hey, if you guys aren't in compliance, the wells are going to get shut off. We sent that letter to everyone. We've sent letters 
and different offers to all of the well owners in the Southport focus zone. And, and one of the issues that we've got is there's a number of, uh, a huge number of well owners in our basin, and specifically in the Southport focus zone, they're absentee landowners. They live in Montana or they live in California or mm. Kansas or North Dakota. And so they're not all that uh, well aware of what's going on out here. And, and for some of them, it's important because that's ground that we inherited from our family. And for others, it's like, I don't care. I just want all the irrigated acres they can irrigate because that's where I'm getting my payment from. Mm-hmm. And, and so we have some that are very concerned about our area and others is just, you know, how much is this going to mean for me? So it, it's difficult. Um, and our, our producers in this area just amaze me. Because so many of them are cognizant of, you know, we've got to do everything we can for for trying to use as little water as possible. Um, we do have some that are like, you know what, it's my right, I'm going to pump it dry. But that's, they are few. That's rare. That's rare. That's rare. Um, most of our people recognize the fact that we've got to slow down depletions. The, lo- the more we can slow down depletions, the longer the aquifer will last. Right. And, 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 you know, with wet, you know, there's only so much water in the hole. And, you know, when you're dropping a foot and a half to two feet every year and it's not getting replenished, someday it will not be economical to use irrigated land, right. you know, to use those irrigation wells. And uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> what I'm wanting is that we have got to find ways to slow down depletions to elongate the lifespan of the Ogallala Aquifer, which is where our water comes from, and allow our communities to adapt to having less and less irrigated land in your area. So that way, it's not such a devastating impact if all wells were just immediately shut off. Gotcha. So that's kind of the final message, I guess, right, for today, is that that you want to get it out there. And then what would be the next step for people to take? Or if somebody hears this, you know, I mean, it... Call me. Okay. Call me, call me. Um, my number is at the office in Ray, 970-332-3552. And if you want to call me on the cell phone, 970-630-3525. Leave me a message. I will call you back. Talk to the staff. We will get back in touch with you. And, and you know, the best way... For you to have really good decisions is if you work with me and let me get you the calculations on how much you would receive for your irrigated water right. And so that just is communication, communication, and working with each other to try and do the best that we can. And if you have a certain situation, you don't know if this is going to work or not, call me. We'll work together as much as we can. If you're outside of the South Fork Focus Zone, you're still eligible for these programs. Mm. Your wells won't receive as much as those inside this zone. At one time, I heard people f- inside the South Fork Focus Zone say, I feel like I've got a bullseye on my back. Mm. You have to retire. And that's not it. We want to work with you. We want to try and offer you the best offer that we can. Um, I've got some people that are saying, oh, well, I think I'll wait because the price will get better. I'm telling you, if we are paying right now values that are equal to or sometimes greater than land values, 
how can we go to all the other growers in this basin and say, oh, well, you've got to pay more in because we've got to pay them more. If we don't get the acres at the rate that we have now, my board's pretty firm on, then we won't get the acres. So if you don't want to lose all of your irrigated land, you need to take in consideration what can we do to help you to retire some of your acres or all of them. I have some people that are willing to do all of them mm-hmm. and, and help you benefit to you and benefit to the basin because water that's not pumped out of the hole stays there. And it does move slowly, but it also benefits that area where you're no longer using your well. Wow. Yeah, and then as far as public meetings, or what's are yes. is there stuff coming up we, that we, people should know about? We've got the public. Our, our meeting is always open to the public. It's going to be, like I said, on the 17th of May at Quintech in Yuma. Um, starts at 10 o'clock. Everybody is welcome. And then um, as we, as I get these decisions from my budget committee, mm-hmm. we will be having public meetings love to come back and talk to you about all yeah, that please oh yeah. i'd love to and put it in the paper we'll send out we're, we try to sh- sh- share our information as much as possible and again go to our website republicanriver.com it's just all republicanriver.com yep yep and we've got the information there well i really thank you for coming in because you've done a really really good job of explaining this today in ways that people can hear and <coughs> This is going to impact all of us. It is. I mean, I know right it now is. it seems like a producer issue in, in <laughs> agriculture, but like you, you said something at the beginning of the podcast that I definitely remember where you're like, it's even the auto body or right. my business. That's right. If we get to this point in two years, yeah, it would be devastating it for the economy. The I whole mean, economy. It, it's not yeah. just, this isn't yeah. farmers. So if you're listening, that's why this is bubbling up yes, to a point is. where everyone needs to take it serious. Absolutely. So, you know, my husband, um, has a electrical contracting business, Daniel Electric, and and Steve asked a irrigated ag uh, irrigated producer back in 2008 when the state was coming out with measurement rules and they were also talking about having basin rules that if you guys aren't in compliance we're going to shut you down. They were talking about it back in 2008, and my husband was working on an irrigation well for a landowner, mm-hmm. and um, they have several members of their family that work with them and. Th- pretty high, large producer in the area. And Steve was standing there working on this irrigation well. And he says, what do you think about this comments these, that's coming from the state of Colorado? They're talking about shutting down irrigation. And um, this happened to be on some irrigated land that was very good soils, mm-hmm. heavier soils. And the guy said, he looked Steve square in the eye and he said, you know, here's the deal. We were dry land farming before we ever got irrigation, you know. My family were dryland farming in this area long before we started irrigating in the 50s. And he said, and we could do that again. But he said, we aren't going to need all of our hired men. So all those families will be fired. And um, we're not going to need all of the fertilizer and all of the chemicals and all of the parts from all of our implement dealerships. We're not Mm going to be buying new tractors. We're not going to be buying new combines. And we're not going to be needing all of these different... And Steve... I don't mean to be insultive, but we're not going to need you for irrigated land either. And so that trickle down is going to have a huge effect on all of us. Yeah, it will. It will. It'll be. It will be devastating. So it doesn't have to be that way if we all just keep working together, trying to find the best solution. You know, back in 1942, when they made this decision, they made it based on what they could see. They didn't know the mm-hmm. treasure that we had what God had blessed us with underground. Right. 
now we're dealing with that. And, and I hope and pray that when my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, are in this area, that they still have water to drink, water to be able to live here. Me too. And, and that they think that we did everything we could, made the wisest decisions we could with what we had at that time. Okay. Well, and again, I thank you for coming in. This is a You're difficult welcome. conversation <coughs> about a topic that's, you know, I mean, it's a tough topic and it's not, you know, it's not something that's really fancy. I mean, right. it's just, it's so right. important though. It and is. so I definitely want to have you back and okay. then maybe at some point we have Tim in here too, again with you or Brandy talking about the Master Irrigator program. Yeah, she, that's a great program. She's done a phenomenal job with that. I highly recommend it. Everybody um, that I've talked to about it have used it and it's really been beneficial so well and we basically have two years two years and three months to get where we need to be yeah we don't have a lot of time we need to be thinking about it and yes price of corn and wheat is up so are all those input costs yeah and some people think that well if you know my well's not pumping that that great what if it gets better how is it going to get better right to know that we're not replenishing our aquifer um the only thing that's going to get better is if we get more blessings uh, in rainfall. That will make the surface better. And then we all work as a team, it seems like, exactly. to, to not have the worst possible outcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Troy, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Deb. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate it. You bet. Mm. Awesome. That is a complicated subject. Oh, thank you. Is. And that's, that's the thing. You know, I had some people say, well, you know, would you be able to talk to me? You know, but I don't want to need like 10 or 15 minutes of your time. It's so we, complicated. We barely even touched on it. I mean, to be honest with you, we could have gone another hour about all that stuff. I mean, it's just. So I, w I would like, not right away, but um, I would like to come back and, and really encourage people to get behind what we're trying to do on bonds. Because oh, I know. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. We're trying to, what we're trying to do is get funds. And I applied for $2.6 from the directed spending for Bonnie only, and, um, and then we can go back. We can wait as long as they'll allow those funds to be available. And here's my thing. So we got to have 25,000 acres of land to clean up the Kansas. If we don't clean up the mess through that dam, nothing. Yeah. Get all those acres of corn you never see anywhere else. So work with us. We're, yeah, to get, well, to, we're going to clean the stream. We're going to clear out an area to have that river flowing through there, bring back hunting, bring back horseback riding. We're sure. we've said we can set up a trail through the reservoir and around for a day ride on horseback and then um, set up a trail that you could ride from Foster Grove, which is on the west side of Bonnie, through, through the reservoir down to Hale Ponds, and that'd be awesome. How In far a day is ride? That? Oh, it, it would be a day ride but down could, there. Could you ride your mountain bike on that or something? Though, or? Okay, not that. We, we got horseback doing this. Okay. And, then, and then horseback back here. But the other thing was we had a guy that was so crazy about motocross. We could have motocross down there because there's so many areas. I love it. And I love mountain biking. I yeah, mean, mountain biking. Yeah. Having an outdoor area because, yeah. like, we share the trails when I go to Roxborough Park. I right. go mountain biking in the right. Arlington Canyon. Yeah. And we share those trails with the horses. Yeah, and you could mountain biking like what you're talking. I'm yeah, sorry, I was thinking motorized. it's not motorized. It's absolutely. Oh, man, and then we said, awesome. um, we could also we also feel that we ought to have somebody down there that's renting, like like uh, golf carts if you want to go if you want to go bird watching. So we'd have certain trails for just bird watching. 
But you, can, you have can have your bikes there too. You can get some water in there to help with the flow. Right. Not a full reservoir, but it can right. become a recreation area yes. again. Because yes. right now it's just overhanging leaves. Right, right. From what right. I understand. And silt. So we've got to move all that silt out. Because the silt is what's causing the flow issues. Black backing it all up. And then you've got all those weeds and trees in there. They're sucking all the water out of it. Mm, so yeah, I'd love to do a podcast on that. Oh, see yeah. Would, that would get a lot of it. Plus, it would bring more attention to the water thing inadvertently. Inadvertently. People love to talk about bikes. Yep, and I want it so badly because we need our area needs to feel good about that area. Okay. It's just, just it just pulls on my heartstrings. So I keep fighting. Yes, we want to get the stream through there, and we'll bring back native habitat for our native fish, which is minnows. But I also want three or four small bodies of water so our kids can go fishing. Yeah. And have some kind of water yeah, recreation. The tide that's such yeah. a good idea. Yeah. So, and it won't go against us on the compact. We have to be cognizant of that. Yeah. Um, and and then <coughs> tourism, you'd help with tourism. That's then, it. Yeah, we'd help. Burlington, Idalia, Ray, St. Francis, Goodland, because everybody from there. That would be sweet. Oh, that it is would. A good idea. And so, so we started that back in '16. Started talking about somebody's fixing this mess. Somebody's got to. So Republican River, Yuma County, Dave Horning's on it. If you can get Carson County, maybe it'd be good to have Dave and I come and talk about sure. it. Anyway, um, we've got a we've got uh, a grant from CWCB again. Initially, a ninety nine thousand dollar grant. At that time, Nature Conservancy was a part of it. They kicked in another one hundred twenty thousand dollars. We got all these engineers to come out, and we showed them okay. Here's here's what we've got. Oh yeah, you keep trying to get ponds while you can. Oh, yeah. Yeah, any of that. So they looked at it and went, oh, my gosh, this is huge. So we took them down and showed them all of, here's all the silt, here's all this. Then we took them where, 385, where the river's at on 385. If you walk west, less than a quarter of a mile, there's water splay. There's a stream there. It's not even that far. It's beautiful. And wow. they have taken out all the phreatophytes, so all the Russian olives, back away from the stream, and it's beautiful. And those people from Denver and from other states that came in said, I'd much rather bring my family down here, camp right by the river, don't have to worry about anybody or anything down here, and I don't have to fight the traffic going for Because miles. you know where we're going right now? I would love to support that because when I'm going to go camping in a couple weeks, I'm going to go over to uh, the ponds. Yeah. South of Goodland. Yeah. I call them the beaver ponds, but it's right. Um, you know what I'm talking about? I know about what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's where you're going to go. Well, if we could bring that, all these other things, long-range shooting. Sure. That brings in, oh, they say well, you can't believe it. If you brought a long-range shooting up there, yeah. that's a, so what would it take to keep, I mean, you guys are actively working on I'm on the board of ECOG as well. Oh, good. So that's how I, I already know Dave. And yeah. Oh, he's that. great. Yeah. He's awesome. So oh, yeah. So so we just keep working our way through. Okay, so we've got a $310,000 grant from Parks and Wildlife. Got to finish the design. So we know where to start the shovel and start digging and making the difference. And and then, like I said, applied for $2.6 million from congressional directed spending. And I, I sent application to Senator Bennett. I sent an application to Senator Hickenlooper and notified um, Governor uh, Con Congressman Buck's office. Our governor, we've been talking so much about all the things that's going on in the Republican. Our governor put in a request... And he included $8 million for the Republican. 
the governor's off or the two Senate offices have double shift. Um, most of the time, one to two men is, is what we're looking at. So ours is what we applied to those two and supported what Governor Polis did. Hopefully, we'll get at least 2.6 so million just to Bonnie Senate? Dam project. Just the Bonnie Dam project. Oh, so, and then we're just going to. Yeah. Point that out? I don't know how soon they're going to make the decision. Congress will make the decision. So I'm hoping that we'll get that dollars. So that all of that's going to be running through the Republican River, and we're going to be working on the process. The thing is, Troy, if you don't get one drop, then work with us and give us credit towards that twenty-five thousand. Yep. Um, in my mind, give us five thousand acre credit for cleaning up Bonnie Dam, and helping your people in and Kansas. You're going to recover that. You'll recover it. Even if you negotiate it eight thousand, what I mean, whatever, whatever. it's going to be, something that gets so that way, it's 5,000 less acres we take out of our economy. So two last questions off camera before we get to the next topic. Right. Uh, they're at this time, but like Matt uh, Ricketts, right? Governor Ricketts? Yes. He came out like a couple, a few months ago, right? Oh, yeah. How he was saying, we're going to go in. What, what that's, that's on the plat. That okay. doesn't have anything to do with that's us. That's nothing with us. And nothing with us. And, and what that was is that's a, an agreement on the Platte River. It's a compact between Nebraska and and I think maybe even some downstream states. Um, but anyway, in that compact, they had uh, the right to dig a ditch in Colorado to get water upstream into Nebraska because it, the South Platte, it used to go dry during the year. They haven't dug that ditch. So he's saying he wants to go dig it? They started digging it, and then they abandoned it. So they've got these, you know, like Sterling Reservoir and there's Dumbo on it. Anyway, there's several reservoirs along the South Platte, and those reservoirs help to bring in more water, and so now the Platte flows all the time in Colorado into Nebraska. So um, the trouble is Colorado has talked about we shouldn't be sending all this free water. We have to send X amount of water to Nebraska. That's all we should send. And so we should have reservoirs. Well, then Nebraska said, well, we're going to come out and dig our ditch back again. Mm-hmm. And we've got $500 million okay, to do I that. Okay. This has the potential to get really nasty. It could be getting project. really nasty. And, and so that's on the, on the plat. We've got our issues on this. Arkansas, there's, there's I think, yeah. like nine compacts where the water is upstream in Colorado and flows down to other states that those compacts are in. And we're all human. Forget. I mean, I know we have these boundaries and everything, right? right? But we're still. But you know, the biggest thing is we're all drinking out of the same hose. We are. Same as Kansas and Nebraska. I, I I was interviewed by a guy, um, Adam Reyes from KUNC, out of Greeley, and and I said, Deb, is there anything over here that you think that would really help this community? And I said, I think that if we could just do what we need to do for the rivers, all three states work together instead of. This much has to be from here. And I, I said, you know, I've gone to meetings that they had in Goodland and in St. Francis Troy years ago and trying to come up with, with solutions. And the growers in northwest Kansas did not want us to drain Bonnie, did not want us to use the pipeline. Because they knew they would have it. It's all water that they drink, too. And, and they wanted to be left alone. Well, if you think about it, most of the Republican River is in Nebraska, and it drops down into Milford Reservoir, which is next to Manhattan, which is close to Topeka, and Wichita, 
And Salina is not that far away. So the water is there for those municipalities and they use it for recreation. Oh, I did not know that. That's a problem. Yeah, that's trouble I have. Well, when it starts impacting people, and you you can't go shut down There's just no way. Well, and I'll tell you, I, I, I've said that for years. State of Colorado is never going to shut down this area because we're so productive. We well, bring so I'm much so to sure. it. Things are now. I, I oh, that's right. I use them. Yeah, I did too. My eyes are open now. Yeah. We're an afterthought out here. Abs absolutely. So and when, according to the 